By this time, any elementary kids are welcome to gather out in the foyer if they'd like to be part of our children's worship time. Certainly, as always, we encourage you moms and dads to navigate that decision in the way that you are are led. Kids are always welcome right here, but know that that opportunity is available for the remainder of our service. And let me invite all who remain here to open up the scriptures with me this morning to the New Testament letter of, of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 today. We've been trekking through this portion uh, of the Bible. We come to chapter 6 today, the sixth and final chapter of Ephesians. We're presently in a sub-series of Ephesians on relationships, uh, marriage relationships, and the gospel. And for those that like to know kind of where we're going, uh, we'll be in Ephesians uh, another week after today, and then we will turn in a new direction. We'll be looking at uh, a sub-series on leadership, and so that know that that's what's coming in the weeks ahead. But today we're in Ephesians chapter 6, a message titled, Jesus in My House, and we're talking about parenting. Paul's words, God's words through Paul about the parent-child relationship, and so I thought we'd begin by hearing... Uh, some different uh, quotes on parenting. This first one comes from actor Ray Romano. He says, everyone should have kids. Uh, they are the greatest joy in the world, but they are also terrorists. Uh, you'll realize this as soon as they're born and they start using sleep deprivation to break you. Uh, trainer Jillian Michael says this, parenting is not for sissies. You have to sacrifice and grow up. Comedian Jim Gaffigan says, I don't know what's more exhausting about parenting, the getting up early or acting like you know what you're doing. Nora Ephron, journalist and writer, says, when your children are teenagers, it's important to have a dog so that someone in the house is happy to see you. (laughs) What's wrong with our kids? We have to be doing something wrong. That's from Ashley Jones. All right. If you if you bungle raising your children, I don't think whatever else you do matters very much, said Jackie Kennedy, former first lady of the U.S. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him, said God through Solomon. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these said Jesus, our Savior. You see, God has some words on parenting, and more than anyone else's words, we need to hear God's word. And so this morning, once again, we turn to him. Let's hear from him. Ephesians chapter 6. If you find your place there in the scriptures, would you join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's word. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. God's word reads this way. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Would you pause with me and pray? And God, we do turn to you. Lord, we invite you to speak to us now. Lord, instruct us now through your word, through the proclamation of your word, that we might know and follow you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, that's our text for today. Ephesians 6, verses 
1 through 4. But before we consider the particular nature of these words, I want to quickly back up uh, and begin with three key biblical presuppositions that we're bringing to this text. In other words, we're reading Ephesians, but as believers, we don't read this text in isolation. We do so within the broader context of the Bible. We're always bringing presuppositions, but our aim is that they're biblical presuppositions. We're bringing the context of the two testament canon to bear on the particular text that we're reading or preaching. And when we read the Bible, here are three truths, I think, that stand out on parenting and children. Number one, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a gift from the Lord. I referenced Psalm 127 just a moment ago. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Children are a gift from the Lord. And number two, God loans children to us. He loans children to us. They're not ours forever. They're ours for a time. And we're entrusted with them by God. Children are a gift from the Lord. God loans children to us. And number three, children sin and need the Savior. Children sin and need the Savior. So these these are truths that we bring to this text. Children are a gift from the Lord. God loans them to us and they sin and need the Savior. They need Jesus just as you and I need Jesus. You see, if you know Jesus, your greatest parenting goal will be to lead your children to know Jesus. More than anything else, more than success on the baseball field. And our kids play ball. They're playing ball right now. We had practice yesterday, and there's nothing I want more when we're on that field than for my son to hit the ball to the fence, right? But more than success on the baseball field, more than success in the classroom, more than a winsome personality or a wide circle of friends or a lucrative career, those who know the Lord want their children To know the Lord. And God intends for the parent-child relationship to be one that points children to the Lord. And so right here in this portion of Ephesians, Paul is applying the gospel, the truth of the gospel, to relationships. And particularly, he's applying it to household relationships here. And so as he instructs the church, as he instructs believers to live out the gospel in the home... He's teaching us that God calls children to honor parents and parents to teach Christ. God calls children to honor parents and parents to teach Christ. And I know in a topic like this, some of you have already checked out this morning. You think, you know, I'm, I'm off the hook today, right? Because I don't have kids at this time or my kids are already grown. And so this particular text doesn't apply to me or does it? You know, for some reason, too many of us, we all do this, too many of us, too many of us have settled for seeing the Bible like a a dinner buffet, right? Uh, Where we can selectively pick and choose what it is that we need or want for the day based on the mood of our palate. But the Bible is much more like Perry's Steakhouse than it is Golden Corral, a place to go, right? And to settle down, to enjoy a five course meal, perfectly prepared, carefully served and gladly consumed by us in its entirety. This is not an encyclopedia to be consulted, but a God-given story to be consumed. In fact, that's why we most often teach and preach this way. 
Right? We're not selectively choosing texts here and there from all over the place based on the mood of the day. No, we want to we want to read and digest and hear and apply Scripture in its fullness. So what am I saying? If you don't have kids at home, don't you dare check out. Because the whole counsel of God is for the whole people of God. So imagine, imagine, first century in Ephesus, Jews and Gentiles, young and old, male and female, singles, marrieds, widows, children, adults, senior adults, tightly gathered in the home of a wealthy believer in Ephesus, together listening to the word read, this letter read in its entirety. Now here lately, there's been a singing seven-year-old uh, at my house. Uh, and he just bursts into song on occasion. And the song of choice right now goes something like this. Uh, God sows the seed of love in us, no matter what our need. He gave us his son so all of the world could live eternally. Now, I didn't teach my kids that song. Uh, you did. More specifically, Emily did. Church, thank you. Emily, thank you. Thank you for teaching my kids and other kids the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, single or married, parent or not, the kids here, Meadowbrook, are on one level. On one level, they are your kids. We're, we're a faith family. This is our village. And so, so if the preacher's kids don't turn out just right, don't, right, don't, don't, don't blame just the preacher, right? You hold me responsible for a good bit. I understand that. But, but on the flip side of that, if, if any of our kids like grow up to know and to follow the Lord, we don't pat ourselves on the back, but we say praise be to God. Thank you, God, in your grace. For leading and guiding our children despite our flaws and failures to know and to follow after you. Soli Deo Gloria. Glory to God alone. That's our theme for this year. And Ephesians is a praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And a a now to him who is able kind of of letter. We're here to honor the Lord. We're gathered to exalt our God. We're gathered to declare his greatness. And he tells us how to do so. He doesn't leave us in the dark on this. He tells us right here that he is glorified when his children submit to their parents. God is glorified when his children submit to their parents. Now, the word submit isn't in this subsection. It's not in these four Verses, but it sets the theme for this broader pericope on household conduct. We saw it back in chapter 5, verse 21. Paul introduces this section with submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've talked about this, a general posture of humility and submission toward one another in the body of Christ reflects knowing Jesus Christ, the one who has humbled himself, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, for us. But even so, Paul is speaking into particular relationships where one party is called to submit to the other, wives to husbands, children to parents, and soon we'll see slaves to masters. Whereas the instruction to wives calls for voluntary submission, the message to children is a bit more straightforward. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
See, God is glorified when his children submit to their parents. There's a sense in which Paul's words here are for believing children. Because throughout this letter, throughout Ephesians, that phrase, in the Lord, carries that particular connotation. So it's as if Paul is saying to these children, gathered as part of the church, you belong to Jesus, therefore, obey your parents. And yet even so, obedience to parents isn't just something for Christian kids. It's something for all kids. God is glorified when his children submit to their parents because submission to parents is proper. Because submission to parents is proper. That's what he's saying here. That's what he means when he says, for this is right. It's proper. It's a universally recognized virtue. Necessary for the proper functioning of any orderly society. It only makes sense that children submit to their parents, the very ones who give them life and who care for them. God is glorified when his children submit to their parents because submission to parents is proper and because God has commanded it. He's commanded it. You see, not only does our Creator write His natural law here in our hearts, but He also writes it quite clearly in His Word. Paul's quoting the fifth commandment here, number five of the Big Ten, saying, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You see, Paul's saying this commandment should still guide our conduct. And he says that this particular command comes with a promise. A promise that was heard in Paul's day in Ephesus in a world in which an estimated between one-third and one-half of all kids died before their tenth birthday. A world filled with abuse and neglect and, and illness. A, a promise that's not meant to be heard as a guarantee for every particular instance and circumstance, but a proverb, a, a general Promise implying that children who reject parental authority are endangering themselves and those that heed their parents' instruction are much more likely to live long and well. And when children do grow up to live long and to be parents, we grown children are to honor our aging parents by caring for them. You see, to neglect them or to ignore them is to dishonor them. And so families, because submission to parents is proper and because God has commanded it, let's be a people who respect parental authority. Let's respect parental authority. Kids are to honor and obey parents and parents are to lead their children. There's a God-given order here and we're to follow it. Children, obey your parents. Always. In fact, the only time that you're called and Expected to disobey parents is when your parents are leading you to disobey God. And we'd be a bit short-sighted as we examine a text like this if we don't think of the many children in our day, in our community and around the world that are disadvantaged, that are living in functionally fatherless homes, the many who have unbelieving parents, the many with needs, we're certainly a challenge to us, this ought to be a challenge to us to consider foster care and adoption. Pray about these things and lean into these things and to support folks in 
that need such things. But not just foster care and adoption. How about knowing the kids on our street? How about knowing those that are around us and speaking into their lives and loving and caring for them in a way that honors the Lord and points them to Christ? You see, parents, the burden to respect parental authority is on us. God loans children to us and we're to teach them. Part of teaching them is leading them with authority. So if our children run our homes and our schedules and our lives, that's on us. Moms, dads, God probably doesn't give you a teenager to be your best friend, but to learn Christ from you. Let's respect parental authority by practicing it. God is glorified when his children submit to their parents. We also see here that God is glorified when believing parents disciple their children. And believing parents disciple their children. That is, lead them and point them and guide them to know the Lord. So once again, imagine a faith family gathered in the home. Listening to this short letter read in its entirety out loud to everyone. I I can sort of imagine a father sitting there thinking to himself, tell them, Paul, my my kids, they they, they need to hear this. Or perhaps a a worn out wife and mother thinking to herself, uh, that bit about husbands loving their wives, that's really good. Praise God. Please, Lord, help my bill to hear that. But then he turns to fathers with some pretty heavy lifting. Verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now these instructions, this word can apply to both parents. In fact, sometimes it's translated fathers. Sometimes it's translated fathers and mothers. It can refer to both. But here, it seems that Paul's putting the primary burden on fathers to discipline and to lead their children, just as he did with husbands in the context of the marriage relationship. It's as if he's saying, I think, parents, especially you fathers, disciple your children in the Lord. And the word choice here supports our own common experience to suggest that just like marriage is hard, so too is raising kids. It's not easy. It requires dying to self. Dying to love someone else. Sacrificing time and energy, money, even dreams to provide and care for, love and lead those entrusted to us. But God is glorified when believing parents disciple their children with great patience and careful instruction. That's sort of the idea here. Great patience and careful instruction. Do not exasperate your children or do not provoke them to anger. Fathers in the ancient world were especially powerful people in the home. And in a way, Paul's reigning in this power. He's pulling it back. He's saying, dads, don't abuse your authority by treating your children in harsh ways that foster bitterness. And how might we do that? So we could think about that. But some ways would be imposing unreasonable demands on kids. 
or perhaps practicing inconsistent discipline, comparing them to others always, maybe a sibling or, or other kids, failing to express our love for them and our approval to them over things, pushing our agenda or our goals onto them. These are all ways that we might provoke our kids to anger. We're to bring them up, implying loving care and provision. That's the same word that's used in chapter 5, verse 29, to talk about how husbands are to care for their wives. We're to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, meaning we're to discipline them when needed and to provide them Christ-centered instruction, teaching them the ways and the character of God. God calls children to honor parents and parents to disciple their kids, to teach them Christ. And just as we have no reason at all as believers to question our Heavenly Father's love for us, because His character, His nature is always constant and He always is working for our good, because we have no reason at all to question His love for us, our kids should never have reason to question our love for them. And the greatest way we can love them is by leading them to Him. So friends, give your children Jesus. Give your children Jesus. In your discipline, in your instruction, in your provision, in your scheduling, and your gathering, and your going, give them Jesus. We are never wrong and always right to point our kids to the Lord Jesus Christ. So moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, may we say, Jesus, be in my house. Come home. Stay here. Stay with us. Be in my house. Be on my mind and on my lips day in and day out as I lead and guide and care and love and provide for the little ones that you have entrusted to me that they may grow to know and to love and to follow after you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. He said, it is from God that parents receive their children and it is to God that they in turn ought to lead them. Jesus said that he is the way and the truth and the life. And Paul said the truth is in Jesus. So let's be a people who give the generations that follow Jesus. Let's teach Christ. And to teach Christ is to teach our need for Christ. To teach our need for Jesus because we fail and we fall. Because we fail and fall both as children in honoring and obeying our parents and as parents in discipling our kids. We fail to live lives worthy of God's love. We need His grace. Let's not hide our need for God's grace. You know, we have a tendency to hide it. Elise Fitzpatrick said this. She said, the obvious difference between Paul and us is that Paul bragged about his weakness and we try to hide it. Oh, friends, we must not hide it. Don't hide it. Not from yourself or your spouse or your children. Let's show our desperate need for God's grace. Let's show it to our kids and to our neighbor's kids and one another's kids so that they may experience the riches of God's amazing grace, the grace that He has lavished on us in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, today's not perfect children day. That's not what this is about. This is not always make your bed day or always 
pick up your dirty clothes day or always take out the trash day or always make straight A, straight A's day. Not any more than last week was perfect marriage day. Anybody scoring 100% on loving your wife as Christ loved the church? If so, come on. You can come on down at this time. We'll let you sing a solo or something. That's not what this is about. Right? You see, the only perfect thing about today is the perfect lamb who hung in your place and in my place, who shed his blood and took God's wrath so that you and I, our children and their children, and any and all who look to him for life and salvation could spend eternity with him. Church, someday soon, this lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, someday soon, Christ will come, not to stay in our home, but to take all God's children home. And so until then, until then, may Christ Jesus be the hero and the head of the church house and of my house and of your house, granting us the constant supply of grace that we need to follow after him and to lead those that he's entrusted to us to see him through us. God calls children to honor parents and parents to teach Christ. Would you bow with me? Oh God, our help in the ages past, our hope for years to come, be our help. Be our guide. Give us grace to know and to follow after you. Give us grace to lead our families and our homes to be places of refuge and safety, places where the gospel goes forth. Father, lead us to walk with Christ for the sake of our kids, our neighbor's kids, our grandkids, for the sake of the world and for the glory of your name. Lord, hear our response now, hear our praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.